Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Dan Byrne, an actor you may have seen in the second season of Fargo, or on the sitcoms The Guest Book or Working Moms, or the delightful web series Space Riders Division Earth, or the feature film Great Great Great. This year, you'll see him in White Lie, the new psychological thriller from Calvin Thomas and Yona Lewis, in the FX series Mrs. America, and as the young, weird William Lyon Mackenzie King in Matthew Rankin's surrealistic biopic The 20th Century, for which Dan just received the Vancouver Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actor, and which is currently playing in Montreal and Winnipeg, with additional screenings in Edmonton at the Metro Cinema on January 24th, 26th, and 29th, and in Toronto at the Royal on January 27th, and the Paradise Cinema on February 12th. Dan picked Monrovia, Indiana, the most recent work from Frederick Wiseman, whose observational documentaries stretch back over more than half a century, from such landmark studies as Titicut Follies in high school to the more recent In Jackson Heights and Ex Libris, the New York Public Library. Monrovia, Indiana, like all of Wiseman's films, is an examination of a structure from many, many angles. In this case, rather than a dance company or a missile facility, the subject is a small town in the heartland, dotted with farms, churches, diners, and schools. There's no plot, just people presented entirely without comment or emphasis, which makes it difficult to synopsize, but easy to talk about. This is someone else's movie. I wanted to choose something that I felt like I had a foothold in the catalog of the artist. Okay. Um, and uh, Wiseman is just someone that I feel like I've spent a lot of time with and can talk about pretty, like, um, confidently, I guess. So for people who haven't seen it, because, uh, it turns out it's a lot harder to find than I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, for some reason, I thought it was an older title, which is weird. I yes. thought it was like, I don't know, 2014, 15, but it's, yeah. it was released last, last year. year. It's his most recent. Yeah. yeah. And, and possibly his last, I mean, he's almost 90, yeah. um, um, and still making a film every year. Yeah, he's not going to stop. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah, that'd be great. Um, because he's still about his nursing home. He'll make films about, like whatever else happens, <laughs> which he's already done. I think. I see. Yeah, yeah. Just, near, he'll be in it, uh, not being in it somehow. That'll yeah. be the new thing. Yeah, he'll still be credited doing sound and editing and directing. Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, but he's always been hard to find. I I have found in my life until the last couple of years when uh, Canopy's been released and. It's like a streaming network tied to the library, and he's always been someone who's very much uh, a library type of guy. He's always supported by PBS. He's like, he's he's very much that sort of '60s socialist style, public and, trust, public trust, yeah. exactly. And so, um, uh, this this what I would call revelation, really. Uh, the like. You're always kind of you always kind of think the library is going to be a step behind or whatever, and then when they sort of take a leap forward like this, it's like this is incredible. So it's like his whole library is basically up there. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah. kind of I mean, I'd never seen in my life. Uh, there was a wave. I was still covering home video, so it couldn't have been any later than 2013. But Zipporah Films released his catalog on DVD themselves. They did. His company put out DVDs, and they're now doing Blu-rays. Um, you can buy them directly from the website. They're not cheap. There's like you know twenty nine ninety five for a DVD, thirty nine ninety five for a Blu-ray, but and most of them were burned, which was really disappointing. They're homemade, which means oh. they last. But I was wondering if that's maybe just a sign of how little demand he thinks there are for his films. 
that he yeah. makes them himself and sells them to people. I know. I think, uh, yeah, because I used to look for them as well. And back when I looked for them, uh, Zipporah was selling them from their website, but they were s- selling them VHS for $75 right. a piece, the yeah. sort of rental pricing that yeah. you would see. And uh, I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> who? The, he's, he's shut down any market that there was. But, yeah, it, it does... He does seem to sort of operate in, in an alternate universe where he's just like, uh, no, I do these things and they will air on PBS and that will be their life. And uh, But I, I think they're so uh, – I just think they're so vital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- this one, strangely enough, uh, Monrovia feels – Less so, I guess, to me than the others. I just I, less after, vital. Well, after the run he had of uh, in Jackson Heights and Ex Libris, where you have these incredibly detailed drill downs into ecosystems, right? I mean, his mm-hmm. stuff is always about institutional mm-hmm. function. Yeah. And Monrovia, Indiana comes out, and it is equally attentive and and uh, exhaustive. Uh, it's a portrait of a community of yeah. Uh, what is it? Ninety-seven point three percent white. Yeah, under under two thousand people. Yeah. yeah, tiny tiny small town heartland place. Yeah, um, it is Americana in a nutshell. It's also it, and it's an apolitical study. And I, there were points in this film that struck me. I mean, he never puts his own politics into anything. He he always lets the material tell the story. Um, you know the the institutional horror of Titicut Follies coming through and that shot of a cigarette dangling over a feeding tube, which just goes on and on and mm-hmm. on. Uh, and you, you get the sense of the filmmaker containing outrage at mm-hmm. that. And that was, what, 1965, right? Mm-hmm. One of his first, yeah. it was his first film. I think it was. Um, and here we have a movie that feels like it is in concert with the polyglot, the the diverse world of In Jackson Heights, where... I think the one trivia point I took away from that is that more tr- more languages are spoken in Jackson Heights than anywhere else in the world. It is, right. It's the Tower of Babel. Everyone there is from somewhere else. And, yes. And, and it's harmonious and yes. it's cranky and there are, you know, civic issues and people fighting over zoning. But yeah. everyone lives together. And yeah. then Ex Libris, which is this portrait of the New York library system as a fount of of knowledge but also of security and safety – Mm. and education, and even though at the end we see that it's catering to the rich people of New York mm. because it's New York and that's what you do, mm. there's still hope for everyone else. And then there was this film, and it's about some people I don't ever feel I really got to know. And mm. I felt like he was either trying to avoid a political statement here because this this is Trump land. This is, mm-hmm. this is the opposite to the two worlds of those two films. Mm-hmm. And then there's just... A bunch of stuff that happens, which which struck me. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't like it, but I, I for the first time watching it last night, I realized I was trying to understand why why he made it. Yeah, and I didn't get an answer. I felt the exact same the first time I watched it. Okay, um, I felt kind of angry. I saw it at the hot dog cinema, and um, yeah, I felt upset that he didn't. That it, it felt like surely now is the time to at least say something. Um, and and I felt uh, – but, but I felt haunted by that reaction and uh, over time challenged by it. And well, I rewatched it for this show and um, I felt so much more 
something that I've felt about him in the past, which is I heard him speak one time, and he did say this very thing that you said, which was that I he doesn't put any politi- any of his politics into his films. And I, like, just immediately was like, you scammer. Like, you <laughs> you are lying. Because we know what it takes to make a film. You are making thousands, hundreds of thousands of decisions. Yeah. Everything is intentional. And um, we had just watched his film Primate, which ends... Uh, yeah, it, it ends with with a uh, uh, a monkey um, being um, put into space, essentially put into a a, um, a capsule. A capsule, but also it's a it's like a uh, it's a plane that is doing um, parabolas. Oh, right, 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 right. And right. The, to, vomit to, the vomit comet. The vomit comet, exactly. To into simulate anti gravity, and you've got uh, this this. I believe there's a scientist talking about like the purpose of science and like all this stuff, and you've, then you just cuts back and forth to this this plane doing these absurd uh, maneuvers and this sort of this helpless monkey being like and it's like to, 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 to the very idea that that wasn't intentional and and full of statement was just like absurd to me <laughs> and so I've in, in re-watching this I like I do think that there is I do think that, that there is there is statement in there and and it is not it is not it doesn't engage in the debate of what is currently going on it doesn't it doesn't engage in headlines but it it it, it operates very specifically within the context of of america it's like i think it's i think it's so purposeful that it comes in contrast to in jackson heights or like it, i think it's the next one or mm-hmm. or t- two movies later like I think it's I think that is that is part of what he's saying with it, um, and I think what I respond to so much is that that statement is left so much up to us, and we are allowed to um, fill in the huge amount of gaps that he's left for us to fill in, um, and. That I just find so um, amazingly for a film where nothing happens, infinitely rewatchable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I do want to take another look at it. This is one of those. I, I realized I hadn't seen it. I missed it at TIFF because some. I think someone else jumped on it first, but also it was one of those situations where the film was so long. Anything over this constantly happens. Anything over 110 minutes is almost impossible to schedule at the last minute. I can't just go, oh, it's playing over mm-hmm. here because it knocks off two other things that I'm supposed to be doing. That's right. And then you end up promising yourself you'll catch up to it later and then it comes and goes so quickly and it's long and you don't get to it. And mm-hmm. I usually make it out for every Wiseman. I usually get there and this, yeah. this time it just didn't happen. Yeah. So I feel like I do want to watch it again and it's... Well, like... S- Here's here's one thing that like jumped out at me even in the first five minutes. Mm. It's it opens with a it opens with uh, shots of like the sky and cattle and stuff. But then the first scene we go to is Bible study, and they're talking about Genesis, which is good because it's the beginning of the film. But specifically in Genesis, they're talking about the word tribulations, and uh, he's sort of defining it and this kind of thing. And what the the sort of phrase they end on the sort of like conclusion they make at the end of their bible study is we messed up we brought the tribulations upon ourselves and it's like and uh, like the the, there's no there's no mistaking the the statement there um we're in trump country it's like it's a 
it's a county that's voted Republican in the last, like for the last 25 years or something. Um, it's like so red. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You Do you can't. think they are aware at this point that they've brought this, that, that Trump is bad? Had it sunk in yet when the film was being made? Because it's still, no. it feels like people are still insisting that this is. Oh, you, oh that, that, that Trump is good. Yes. But, but like this so is wise, it's, it's, it's the Wiseman's like perspective, the sort of like, yeah, the, the, the like, you know, it's, it, that's possibly a, a version of themselves in the future, what they will say about themselves or whatever. Um, or it's what, it's what, it's what liberals will say about, about, uh, what Republicans should feel about themselves or something right. like that. The endless conversation, the endless arguments back and forth. I mean, we're, we're recording this on the day that the impeachment vote is happening. And That's right. People are pretty much dug in on this. You, nobody's going to be swayed by what happens today. You either believe it should be going on or you believe that the poor man is being railroaded for just doing his job. Mm-hmm. Um, because social media is a hellscape and that's the world that we live in now where Mm -hmm. you're being yelled at in all directions at all sides all the time. Mm -hmm. Wiseman's refusal to acknowledge the political context, I suppose, in which everything takes place, just saying that he doesn't, I mean, of course, all art is political. And as you say, the the choices he makes about what to keep and what to throw away Mm -hmm. are inherently a perspective. Mm -hmm. But you see something else too that occurred to me about Monrovia is that they are, they're just not on the coast. They're not in it. They're not interacting with, you know, like the, the repercussions from the things that are happening in government in America will hit them weeks or months or days, like way down the line. Yes. And right now they're just living their lives and doing what they can. Yes. And that was the thing that, you know, the, the idea that the pace of small town life hasn't really changed and that they're still getting bogged down in the minutiae of, of you know, board meetings and, and city councils and yeah. people are getting married and people are being buried and, and all of this is happening. A dog gets its tail amputated. Mm-hmm. And even that is something that occurs completely without context. I, mm-hmm. mean, I know a dog that had his tail removed and it was because of cancer, so mm-hmm. sure. But it's a boxer and we're used to seeing them with crop tails, so we're mm-hmm. like to wonder if it's a vanity operation, but the dog is too old, so that can't be it. Just I'm, I'm just looking for something to grab onto. Mm-hmm. I just need an anchor. And the idea that Wiseman produces nothing to ground these stories or to explain them further. Uh, there's the there's the old guy at the diner talking about his operation and mm-hmm. all of his friends are being really sympathetic, which is lovely. And then later someone else mentions a guy they knew had his gallbladder removed. Is, mm-hmm. is that the same guy? Is that what that is? No, you'd recover from that faster. You're just constantly, or I was rather, just constantly wanting to know more, which obviously is the goal of any filmmaker. Yeah. But also it felt I don't know. I maybe it's my own I, I was trying to figure this out in real time. Like, is this my own bias against Heartland people that I that I'm skeptical of everything I see unless they uh. they prove themselves to me. Yeah. Because I didn't have any of these issues in, in Jackson Heights. Right. And that gave me equally nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a it's a survey of a place. Yeah. Um with yeah, no, with no further context for any of the scenes that we see. That's right. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Um, I saw one reaction. Uh, it was a comment on. I forget what page it would have been on, but it was a direct response to the film, and and it was someone saying, "I live in a place like this, and this is so accurate because of how little the discussion is happening." 
it's like I know that we feel like this should be this should be full of politics, um, but these towns are not, yeah. and so like that's why that's why it's made this way, and that's why it's uh, correct in the sense that it just reflects the sheer quietness um, of a place that we as outsiders view as like um, as if it were like a clandestine full of clandestine machinations uh, yeah. and, and, and reasons for the strife that it's causing us on the outside. Yeah. I mean, I think about all of the New York Times pieces about, you know, we went and interviewed Trump supporters at a restaurant. And right. this is the place they would go, except no one, no one seems to be particularly activated about it. That's and, right. And that's obviously because Wiseman just plops himself down and doesn't ask questions and doesn't pester mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, and he just captures life, which mm-hmm. maybe that's his comment as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is his grand statement. It's like, they're just people. They're just people. And also the 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 things which uh, are separate from the people that are causing what is, you know, uh, realistically like the downfall of this current <laughs> system that we've come to Western enjoy. Western society? Yeah. Sure. Like there's no um, – there's no intention behind that. It's like merely like a like a um, uh, a sort of collective force of nature, like a a thing that has um, swept up people, and it's and it has no um, it has it has no appearance on the individual when viewed from. Uh, a sort of like the, the the perspective of a wanderer. Right. You can't you can't see it. You can't you can't go to Trump Country and and see it unless you uh, go to these like sticker shows where they've got they show these these decals and it's yeah. like these statements, these horrific statements. Uh, yeah, that it's are just the surrounding it comes people. To feeling revulsion. Yeah. Like that. I mean, we don't see a rally. We don't see voting. We don't see any of that stuff. Right. We see the daily lives. It's the, oh, what was it? The, um, the sense that, you know, you don't get the sense that people are just going to start shouting, build the wall at the camera. Mm-hmm. There's no hostility towards Wiseman's presence, mm-hmm. which right away should tell you that things are more complicated, right? Because mm-hmm. he is... You know, he's a New York filmmaker. He's absolutely an enemy. Yeah. And yet, I guess at this point, he's just, or he, I was going to say he's aged into somebody who looks pleasant and, and non-threatening, but he's always kind of been like that. Like, D.A. Pennebaker was the rock star. Right. Of, of the era when they yes. were younger. He was the one with the ridiculous hats and mm-hmm. the camera on his shoulder running around. Wiseman just sort of showed up, did his thing. And yeah. As far as I know, he never really, I mean, he, there were the lawsuits over Titicut Follies, but Nobody involved in high school seemed to be terribly upset about that portrait that he painted, even though it is one of the most depressing right. uh, social studies he ever shot. Yeah, and Law and Order is pretty, uh, yes. pretty uh, horrific. Also, yeah. um, it makes me it makes me think of. Um, do you ever see those documentaries about Christo uh, that the Maisels made? Oh yeah, um, and his wife Jean, Jean something, and um, they they talked. There was. Uh, there's this like beautiful scene where they're talking about how their art, a huge part, half of their art is engaging with the community and getting the community's permission because it takes so much 
permission to wrap up a bridge or yeah. whatever. And um, I found that so uh, sort of admirable because I just have – I don't have that, that ability to sort of um, talk with people and get them on my side. I, I just want to present them with something and hope they like it. Yeah. Um, I mean I assume that's how most art works. Well, that's – yeah. Go for consultations. Right. But then – but then you see the the work like that, and, and when they explain that that's part of their art is to engage, it's like, of course, like um, we need to do these things in groups, um, and and I think Wiseman is 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 a master at that, just getting people to to like him and let them let him into their space, um, and I'm so suspicious of it that it feels like. Is he sending envoys? Is he sending people that aren't him to to do the, to do these things? I I I have trouble envisioning the ghost of Wiseman behind the camera or huddled in the corner with headphones on, um, because it is uh, it's so um, such an aberration or a, such an abnormality in the community. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. And you would think at this point, you know, it's like Chase producers on sixty minutes. You would send someone out to get the lay of the land first. If, especially if you're going to make a film of this length in such a short window of time. Yes. You know, Clint Eastwood makes a movie a year because he likes to go home after lunch. Right. Like it's not like he's mm-hmm. there for 12 hours a day. Yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But movie a year. Right? A movie a year. And so yeah. and, and here's Frederick Wiseman going out and making a movie a year. And I know. his movies. He doesn't are, direct actors either. No. <laughs> but he's with purpose. <laughs> his absence is present. Yeah. Uh, but he's also turning out films that speak more about America in the moment than Eastwood's films are for yes. whatever fictional you know, dressings they use. Um, I, I want to watch Monrovia, Indiana again. Yeah. I have no interest in revisiting most of Clint Eastwood's movies in the yeah. last decade. I mean, I feel, yeah, if, if yeah. I feel like um, you can rewatch the uh, the mattress sale. Uh, there's this brilliant mattress uh, sale where they go to a like a school or something, yeah. and there's this salesman in there, and he is um, talking about the most disgusting stuff. He holds up a jar full of yellow liquid that says, <laughs> "This is how much a human being sweats in a night." Um, and there I, believe are some... I believe that's scientifically accurate. <laughs> I, mean, I believe it too. It looks like urine, but <laughs> I believe it. Um, yeah, he he is just he is the he's the reason Christopher Guest exists. Like he is, <laughs> yeah. he has the sort of the self seriousness and the 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 perfect kind of compelling hilarious humanity that that uh, comes about from just letting your cameras roll. It's incredible. I, I find um, you were saying they they that the population is mired in in sort of city council meetings. It's like. But that's a theme across Wiseman's career yeah, is city council new. meetings and, like, bu- bureaucracy. He seems to, like, love bureaucracy as, like, the clockwork of America in a way. Yeah. How uh, the little tiny, tiny baby steps of decisions get made. Um, I always and, get the sense that he's waiting for someone to snap. Yeah. In every, every, every time. It happens in, in Jackson Heights, too, that these people are incredibly angry about, I think it's a parking lot. Or, or yeah. not a parking lot even, just like stripes, what color the stripes are going to be or how they're going to lay them out. <laughs> it's just this, this, this thing, the minutiae of, of humanity. Yes. Right? How we can't agree on anything. Yes. Is the thing that I think fascinates him. Yeah. And then somehow you get a hospital, you know, where everybody is actively working towards the thing yeah. that they should all be working for, which is to keep people comfortable and alive. Yeah. And 
he I think his micro macro thing where he'll just marvel at these weird insecurities that, or or tics that a person will have mm-hmm. but still manage to function and help people yeah. or or not help people depending on the institution they're in. Yeah. Um yeah, it's this film everyone is just so placid and and patient that maybe that's it. There isn't even the promise of conflict. But there's the tiny ripples. There's a there's one of the members of town council who has he's got a mustache and sort of thinning hair, and he is like clearly so mad. Yeah. And he's like barely contained himself when uh I think when someone says like, now I don't mean to talk too much or something, or I don't mean to speak out of turn, and he sort of goes like, ah, well, uh, uh. <laughs> and you get these like, you get these these little tiny ripples that are. That I think in a town of two thousand people, those are big things. Those are sure, yeah, yeah. Um, they make bigger splashes. There's a there's a great there's a great scene where uh, great scene. I mean, nothing happens, but it's a, <laughs> it's a town council meeting, and I think it's so great where this woman is trying to um, trying to convince the council to vote against the building of an entrance into a new into a subdivision because she feels that subdivision is responsible for what she calls um the the um strife in the community they 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 get the cops called out to them too, too many times per day and you start to just see this like this thinly veiled racism that's like um that's that's driving that's driving one part of the town one 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 uh portion of the population and then you see someone and even a couple people like self correct that and there's something there's something nice about that where she said where where they say no we're 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 not going to do that because uh also in that community are the volunteer firefighters who are like doing great work and like uh yes the cops get called but they also get called to other parts of the town and and uh i found that like i found that kind of stuff so um uh so so important in their in their smallness like um they were yeah they're they're not the they're not the flip outs that that most documentarians are are looking for but i think in wiseman's survey i don't even know how long he was there but in his survey of the town it's like that's the big thing that's the that's the kind of big thing that happens here and and it's just a smaller thing. Yeah, little moments of understanding that you might miss, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking for larger emotional beats, which yeah. has never been his thing. It's never been his thing, but they're there. Um, well, like, I was going to say, in this one, he, he lets he lets the townsfolk come to them themselves. Like the, I mean, the funeral is, is the one that I was thinking of where, mm-hmm. you know, he clearly chooses, it opens with Genesis and it closes with a funeral. Yes. Of, uh, of a woman who I think seventy six years old. She's you know she's lived a full life, mm-hmm. and it starts like every funeral speech that I've ever squirmed through, where you just get a bunch of generic homilies. Like, yes. Well, good person, well liked. You know, no one can say a bad thing about her. Well, no, she, yes. it's her funeral. No one would. Uh, <laughs> but then it just it evolves. It becomes almost like a revival meeting, but very calmly and quietly he escalates the tenor of it all, mm-hmm. and it becomes a quest for grace in his eulogy mm. as he starts to talk about larger things and, and eternal life and how, what was it? There are no wheelchairs. There, in heaven, there are no wheelchairs. It's a perfected place. There are no wheelchairs. There are no walkers. No one's sick. And you just, I, I just hit me really hard that most of the people in that 
space are the are the dead woman's age or mm. thereabouts. They're her friends, and mm-hmm. and they're listening to this as a, a as a promise. Mm-hmm. And then it hit further that it's like, oh yeah, these people believe this stuff. Like it's not they're not cynical big city heretics like me who you know embraced atheism in their teens. There are people who probably still show up for this and believe. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I want to watch the movie again to see if it's running through the whole film, if there's this mm-hmm. undercurrent. There's a wedding where the the bride and groom build this very silly, I mean, yeah. ob- I think objectively silly, <laughs> religious <laughs> statement, the unity cross. Yes. Which represents something to them. Yes. But to me, felt like one of those things you do at a mega church because yes. everyone's doing it, like an arts and crafts project. Mm-hmm. And it's an add-on on the menu that you can yeah, select. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's go. Let's let's level up. Let's yeah. do that. And I now I want to look at it again and watch their faces closely. I want to see if they yeah. believe it. Yeah. And 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 you don't know what reaction shots he's using are applying to the moment that you're True. witnessing. Yeah, absolutely. But you know that he's choosing them. And so one thing I was watching was reaction shots and there are just as many polite smiles as there are completely bored faces. There's a there's a scene of a band recital and they're doing they're playing the Simpsons theme song and it's a full house but of really bored looking people. <laughs> and there are similarly kind of like sleepy faces during the eulogy. Um, and there's this yeah, there is this feeling of like of like yeah, they they do believe it, but like not everybody and and they and maybe not this way, you know, and and like yeah, like I, I do agree that 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 there'd be people in the audience who at who would look at the Unity Cross and think like that's corny. So like it's so I would never do that or whatever. <laughs> um, but I do get I do get the sense that there is a uh, very strong undercurrent of age in the in the whole movie. It's a very it's just an old town and it's an old it's an old uh, way of life. Right. That's. That was the other, I think, yeah, and again, Frederick Wiseman, who is an old man himself. Yeah. There was a moment when, oh, that's The Simpsons. Does he even know what The Simpsons is? And then I thought, <laughs> yeah, it's been around for 30 years. Of course he knows what The Simpsons is. But I think it's supposed to be, I mean, when it shows up in the films, like, is that a reference? Is he referring to this place as a Springfield, as as a sort of an isolated hamlet, the same way The Simpsons treats their own town? I mean, they're doing it to themselves. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. If they're embracing it, then yeah. doesn't that mean they identify on some level with it? Or at least that it's comforting now because anything old is familiar and friendly. Mm. But what the film keeps suggesting, I think, is that this is the imagined way of life that when people say make America great again, mm. this is what they're talking about. Mm. You know, like a small, peaceful place where nothing ever goes wrong. But if you look right. a little closer, everybody's struggling. People are getting old. I, I, if there is a politics to the film, I think that's it. Like these are, the, these are Trump voters who are already living the thing that Trump thinks he's going to give them or that they yes. think Trump is going to give them. yes. Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, but that's don't. an interesting read. Like, it's as, like, like perhaps like life is great for them in the sense that they they have a lot of quiet and quietude and like not much to do besides go and bid on a giant tractor or right. like a thresher or whatever. Um, and yeah, this idea maybe this this does kind of tie into this eulogy of like heaven's a perfected place where where. Um, you know, we just, we don't have to do all that much and there's beautiful sky everywhere and manicured lawns. And, yeah. And, uh, 
and pizza rolls from Big Dog Pizza. Giant-ass pizza rolls. Those thi- I never want to eat one of those now. Now that, <laughs> I, I, now that I've seen I didn't sausage know they made. existed. Yeah. I, but now I, I did want to try. I wanted to try a bite. I did. I saw a thing about a new kind of stuffed crust pizza where they stuff it with both cheese and pepperoni. So it's yes, like I did see this. Pizza stuffed too. with pizza. <laughs> That's right. And again, you have to have time to come up with something like this. But it <laughs> you does, don't need much time it to come like up with the end pizza. Civilization. It's like, what else do we need? What else can we possibly have for pleasure? Oh, I know. More of the thing that I'm eating, but in a different <laughs> dish. Yeah. I mean, deep dish pizza, in fairness, is pizza on top of pizza. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, it, it sets a bar that we can never clear as a, as a species. As a culture. What sets a bar? Deep dish pizza. Oh, like, I see. Yes, What else yes. can you do? You're going to stack right. another one on top of it. And yeah, yeah. Now you're that just I've gonna... said that, Pizza Hut's going to do it. <laughs> and you wonder why. Medical costs are so high. It's, it's, there, but the, but the fact that it is handmade that we actually watch the process of the pizza mm-hmm. rolls, I'm going to make a metaphor out of the pizza rolls. It, please. But it is sort of, it's, it's devotional, right? Like it's, the thing that Wiseman does is capture people at work, capture people in their lives. Yeah. yeah. And I can mock the pizza rolls all I want for being these long, creepy-looking tubes, mm-hmm. but they are feeding people. They are sustaining yeah. people, and they're making people happy. Yeah. So here we are with this alien culture that I've dropped into mm-hmm. with no context and, and forced to find my way. But, yeah, the people are doing things that seem to be generally helpful and positive for the community. Even the veterinarian is clearly fulfilling a function with that amputation. Yes. And they're not doing it cruelly. The dog is cared for. We get to watch as the dog kind of goes under. Yeah. And it's loving in a weird way. The, mm-hmm. That It's done through an embrace. Yeah, that sort of intern is over. helping the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I have a, I have this bizarre... Well, I mean, it's not bizarre. I have this thing about watching animal violence, obviously, because the mm-hmm. dog, you know, like dogs in movies. Um, uh, Kate, my wife, can't abide dog violence. Mm-hmm. No, it's always fictional. Mm-hmm. We won't watch a movie with real dog violence. No. But my, you know, my argument has always been like, oh, the dog's fine. The dog's at the craft service table. The dog is having the best day. Right. But I think there's some part of the human brain uh, with with a lot of people. With I mean, I'm sure it comes up with myself too. Where if you're watching an, an animal or a child, you're not fully believing that the animal or the child is cool with what's happening. Yeah, because, because how quick as how could they be? Yeah, yeah. Baby Yoda, fine. It's a puppet. <laughs> baby Yoda falls down. It, baby Yoda's gonna yeah. be fine. I'm fine with baby Yoda torture. I'm fine with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, apparently it gets you banned from Twitter. But uh, yeah, right. It's it's one of those situations where. I'm watching this clinical footage of an amputation, mm-hmm. and I found it absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't disgusted. I wasn't horrified. I was just like, "Oh, that's how that happens." Yeah, and that's Frederick Wiseman, right? Like that's he it. found that's... a thing I'd never seen before. Yeah, and because it to me. because he floats, he floats like a ghost, and there are like he he will not hesitate to to disturb you like to no end. Um, he sort of started his career by disturbing everybody, shocking everybody, and and there, yeah, he will not hold back from anything like that. And so, it's it's just put right in the middle. There's no, you don't get warning really, uh, and that has always been a sort of like um, representation of how serious, like it 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 overlays a seriousness onto the other things around it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh well, yeah, like. 
the guy dealing with spray painting pigs is it's it, there's a seriousness that to the both of those things um it's just this one involves uh scalpels yeah sutures yeah um this is something that i was going to ask you're familiar enough with his work you've seen enough of his films that i can actually ask you how do you feel about the transition from film to hd video because i had a trouble adjusting to that when he first did it it's, when did it happen it was around because I'm, I'm thinking, like, of, like, the store would still be film yeah, I'm actually in the 80s. That. Um, it was around, like, the late 90s, if I remember correctly. And it was not HD right away. There was a transition. There was a sort of SD time. Yeah. Because um, uh, now I'm adjusted to it. We see so much stuff in HD video that it no Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we collectively learned how to shoot on it. Uh, in a way that looks beautiful now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, was it domestic violence? Oh, was that shot for television? Maybe domestic violence too. Um, (laughs) Which is funny to think of him as making sequels, but um, but I watched domestic violence too pretty recently and had no trouble with it. well, now too we accept video as we like, do, right? As an it's gone back. It's its to own being aesthetic, valid and archival in a way. Like when that's you right. The video it no longer feels like you're watching a soap opera. That's now right. It's history. Yeah. Now that reserved that is reserved only for true motion, where oh. you, when when you see that you think now I feel like I want to stop watching yeah. movies forever. You were at the uh, Canada's Top Ten lunch. You noticed that, right? I did notice. I was that. sitting there just thinking I should just fix every single one of these damn things. <laughs> I was looking for. There's no remotes around. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. He's like, they're all Samsungs. One remote would do it. We just get this through. Is a, this is a film event. Yeah. And, and, you know, the 8K images are gorgeous right up until you realize they're floating on like a liquid thing that is not. Oh, yeah. I can just, I, you can feel every single filmmaker cringing. Yeah. Well, I told Kaz, I went over to him. I was like, I think, is your film shot in true motion? Because it's being displayed that way. <laughs> yeah. It's such a heartbreaker. I mean, people will see the films properly, but. They will. Hopefully. Yeah. Fix their TV. Fix your TVs, people. But the but the the Wiseman effect, the video that he shoots in, yeah. now just feels normal again. Yes. Like film gave things an authenticity of the sixteen millimeter grain right, right away. It tells you Titicut Follies and high school, those are lit like life, I guess. Um, because they just don't have yes. the time to, yes. to make it prettier. Yeah. And then I remember I mean, we both remember the when the video was introduced as a sort of um uh, high-end tool, it was disappointing because it felt cheap. And and then now now it just has a historic feel. And so, yeah, it's... Um, to get back to your question, I feel fine about it because ultimately we worked through it. Um, there's really nothing that... There's really nothing that uh, I look back on and, and think that he hurt his own process by, by doing. Um... Yeah, now that we're past it. I imagine the speed of playback would be, like, he could cut a film the same day, right? If he, if he knows what he wants, what he On got. Video. He could, he can, yeah, with, with HD, with digital, you can... Oh, with, yeah. You can Absolutely. speed the process up. I mean, it would have taken him, although it didn't, he was always really industrious. It would have taken him longer to cut in, on film, but now he's still just cranking him out. Yeah. I think what changed with video, like, it felt to me that with video, lo- length stopped being an issue. He could make longer. Yes. He could just linger and luxuriate in stuff. True. Which works for and against. That's right. Because the experiences of the film, like domestic violence at three hours is 
punishing. Yes. But I would assume that at 110 minutes, it wouldn't be as effective, right? I mean, if you cut stuff and you don't live with these people at the same right. the same stretch of time, yeah. then it does dilute the effect. I yeah. mean, Rovi is the shortest movie in... In a long time. Yeah, 10 years maybe? Yeah, kind of why I chose it also. Another <laughs> reason was to, for rewatchability. Right. Because I do feel, I still feel daunted by the... Um, by the longer ones to even get into them. I had there's you know the the I think the ones I've seen um are the shortest ones and the ones that remain are the longest. Well Jackson Heights is almost three hours. Yeah. yeah I still haven't seen that. Oh it's great. Yeah no, I know I hear it. I mean it is I it's I think it's my favorite of his films. Yeah. And part of that is just my affinity for New York yeah. in general. But it is a movie about everything. Like mm. it's just every single it it's this this is sound this sounds dumb, but the way I was explaining it to people when it came out was there is that scene in Spider Man Homecoming where a criminal gives up some information because he likes the sandwich store that Spider Man tried to save. Uh-huh. It's like good sandwiches there. And it's like that yeah. movie is in Jackson Heights. Yeah. Everyone knows the world they live in and they're all cool with it. Like they're all perfectly willing to put aside whatever personal thing is going on mm-hmm. to make the place work. Mm-hmm. And I get that about his attraction to the material, Wiseman telling stories about um, mechanisms like the mechanism of society yeah and it's here too in Monrovia true but much calmer much calmer and I think there's no I think there's no it's no accident that like in Jackson Heights is so much more uh, probably imbued with love because he lives there yeah it's his world and, and he and I think he you know uh, again this idea of like the statement being in the statement being there despite the absence of statement yeah um, yeah, I think his, his, his perspective and his, his love for things shines through yeah. and, and dislike for things shines through. I think he wants, even now, I think he wants to know people better. I, I think ultimately that's why he makes everything. Mm-hmm. He wants the faces in, in the New York library in Ex Libris. He wants to show you the people working at terminals using computer time in, um, I think it's a Staten Island branch or, or, or in the Bronx, there's this one place that just opened up a computer lab, and mm. you see this incredible range of people from, you know, largely working class, I suspect, which is why they're using computers in the library, but you get the sense that these people have come from everywhere, and they're just in this space at once, yeah. and that's his. That's the world. That's the world of this film, and that's the world that the library is set up to serve, and he just wants to follow them home, mm-hmm. but he's already created this restriction for himself that he can't yeah. leave the library. Yeah, and this the I like. I hope I'm half as curious as he is when I'm that age. I know, and that's and I think that's a like a great place to end because that is like where that is why I continue to like him so much is that he's he's always had that, and I've always shared that, and and have such admiration for someone who can uh, bring that aspiration to life, just the the desire to watch people and and learn about them. Yeah. So that does bring us to the final question. Like, what, if anything, of this film or I guess of Wiseman's career have you been able to use in your own work? Or is it just a general curiosity or, or have you actually managed to? Well, I mean, so much of performance. Like, uh, every scene for me has, has something of either myself or someone I love or someone I hate. Um, and it feels so much more true than any than any acting. And uh, because of the contextless vibe of a Wiseman, you can project all your own 
history onto these little nuances that you see people do. So, so yeah, all the time, little, little tiny things like, um, you can just take a script that you're thinking about and how to do things and you can watch, uh, all of these real people just live their lives and these little twists and little behaviors and ticks can be so valuable for any kind of moment that you want to use. So yeah, I use it all the time. Is there one thing you keep coming back to? Um, character or not a character, but a subject or a a feeling. Oh, uh, I was trying to come up with a connection to the 20th century, and it is not happening. I oh, I see. Um, anything specific? That film is. I mean, because that film is so. Unreal. It's yeah. It's so mannered that that I don't think I would be pulling from there. Um, there's not something that I keep returning to. Uh, but like I guess I guess to just return to this, you know, this figure at the town council who like he's he can't restrain his own passive aggression. Yeah. Um like when I see things like that, which a lot of people just don't care about, they think nothing they just feel that nothing is happening. To me it's like, well that's like that's in me, this feeling. And like I, I you know, I've seen my father do that or or whatever. And so um uh I don't know. Like uh, that's the that that's an example of the kind of thing that I that I would take from, um, but it's uh, you know it's not it's not what I keep going back to because it's not applicable in all situations. But sure. um, but that's the kind of thing little 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 human ticks that are um, that are just so much more uh, fleshed out in a in a fly on the wall environment than any kind of fictionalized creation. Yeah, things that make the the fictional real. Exactly. Right? I mean, things that connect us to yeah. the character. Yeah. I, I was thinking about Great, Great, Great. We, okay. we spoke yeah. last week, and it's like, I finally got every cast member. This is it now. <laughs> this is it. And how, and how so much of that movie should be absurd and isn't, because uh-huh. it's so kind of wrenchingly true. It's honest mm. in a way, and those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about should go and find Great, Great, Great. I will make sure to include a link to where you can find it at the end of the episode. It's it's just this very small story about people struggling with what they want and who they are. Mm-hmm. And that is effectively everything and everyone. Like mm-hmm. Specificity becomes universal in, in a way that I found really powerful. And then I was putting it together with other films, other documentaries, like the, because the realism of that movie and the, just the, like the emotional realism, the honesty – and the fact that the camera just doesn't flinch from what's going on, people who just, you know, who love each other but can't talk to each other mm-hmm. is something that's so, I mean, it feels like a documentary in it, in its moment. And I was thinking about Marriage Story too, where mm-hmm. it just hits that peak where a character decides to not hold back and mm-hmm. not be a good person for two seconds mm-hmm. and just absolutely destroys every possibility of future happiness, or at least it thinks he has. Yeah. And... This is the stuff that isn't in Wiseman's documentaries, but mm-hmm. when you're talking about somebody's passive aggression and you realize, I know what that is. I know who that is. I, I, I know that. I recognize that in myself. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is the version you present to the – or the version he presents to the rest of council, right? You, the, the beauty of drama is that we get to watch people not disguising themselves. Yes. And Wiseman is all about – the, the versions of ourselves we present publicly. Yes. And that, I think that's the thing I'm trying to argue at, where when you get a sense that there is a much bigger world than mm-hmm. the thing you're seeing in the moment, mm-hmm. 
that's like that's the province of really powerful drama, but it's mm-hmm. also Wiseman's project, right? Because I think by the end of his career, whether he's done now or whether he has three more movies in him, mm-hmm. I think you will be able to sort of line up the pieces and you'll have all of America. Like you'll get the world if you if he does it right. That, yeah. That feels like the mission. Yeah. The, it's the, the guy talking about his operation and then someone else mentioning someone he knows with a gallbladder. It's like, well, maybe the thing they're doing now is going to reverberate through in Jackson Heights retroactively or there'll be some other part of another doc that leads in and I just feel like he's capturing so much and giving us so much that he's building that tapestry. I, I fully agree. Um, that felt like a really wide swing, but I think I landed it. I think you did, yeah. Uh, to look at these forward-facing um, behaviors and be able to uh, exaggerate them and and to, to take that real thing that makes you lean forward and... Uh, and dramatize that um, to me is like one of my yeah one of my main goals. But just that's, to be more real, yeah. But to yeah to um, to do this thing that you're talking about of like the world beneath, uh, so that um, so that you uh, you're pulled as opposed to um, pushed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that should be the goal, right? Like to bring people closer. To lean, I, yeah. I want to lean forward. I want to get into that screen yeah. every time. Yeah. And sometimes it lets me. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't. That's right. And I'm not going to see cats tonight for that very reason. <laughs> I'm also going to skip cats. I'm going to have to see it eventually. I just know I am. I wonder what Wiseman would think of it. Because, <laughs> you know, it's as hyper real as the quest is, it's clearly not real at all. I wonder what any, what he thinks of any movie. I don't know if he, what he watches, if anything. Yeah, he's never made a doc about movies, has he? He's never really gone towards the industry. In yeah, he loves dance. Yeah, uh, that's true. But... Has he done one about television? He hasn't. News gathering or something like that? Not particularly. No. Huh. Like, yeah, not even, like, newspapers. I wonder. That'll be his last film. It'll be about Netflix. It'll just be a camera pointed at a television set. <laughs> yeah, he'll have a Netflix budget. Yeah. It'll just be someone, oh, God, no, that's what it'll be. It'll be the menu screen. It'll be someone clicking through tabs for five hours. <laughs> and it will be riveting. God damn it. You know who I feel? This is not, this is not, uh, this is a total tangent now. <laughs> but a disciple, not a disciple, a, a, um, uh, someone who has taken the Wiseman spirit in new directions is the filmmaker behind um, Hale County. Did you see Hale County? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This uh, morning, this evening? This, mor- right? this afternoon, this, this evening? Something like that? This morning, this evening? Um, You're probably right. Which I just was one of my favorite films of that year. Uh, was just like, and I don't know why, but the Netflix menu made reminded me of that because it made me think of like, yeah, you would see the Netflix menu, but in the background, you would hear this conversation that would somehow be more revealing of like what was going on and there's like this brilliant shot of um, smoke smoke rising through branches and in the background you hear a, a passerby say why are you taking this photo and there's a whole discussion about why they're taking this photo and it's uh, um, just such a it to me feels so much in that spirit of like just just document the real and and the 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 um, the excitement of life will come through yeah it's that quotidian thing right the word that everyone uses in a in any wiseman review the sense of ordinary life unfolding mm. but 
he makes it more than ordinary just by being there. I think yeah. that's his thing. Like he knows what to watch. He knows what to show us. But he knows to be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Hale County does that too. It just immerses you in this place that you've never been or that I've never been to and yeah. makes you feel like you've lived there for a bit. Yeah. I think A.O. Scott calls him the greatest American living American poet or something like that. And, I can uh, see it. Yeah. I still want to watch that Netflix movie. Which one? His, the one that he makes, whatever, whatever the uh, Wiseman Netflix film would be. Oh, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wiseman's Netflix. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> My thanks to Dan Byrne, who you can see in the 20th century, playing in Montreal and Winnipeg right now, in Edmonton at the Metro Cinema on January 24th, 26th, and 29th, and in Toronto at the Royal on January 27th, and the Paradise on February 12th. Thanks also to Angie Power. She knows what she did. You can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Byrne, all one word, and if you have a library card, you can stream Monrovia, Indiana for free on Canopy, along with most of Frederick Wiseman's other films. Or you can order a Blu-ray or DVD directly from the Zipporah Films website. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. Our shiny new theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it or the show in general, say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network. They're pretty good. Oh, and congratulations to Christy Wilson-Cairns on her Oscar nomination for Best Original Screenplay for 1917. Do the podcast, win a prize. It's just science. Thanks for listening. See you next week.